text for the sermon this morning is 1 Peter 2, verse 9. We'll read that verse again. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So far, our text. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what a billboard is? You've seen him on along the highway, maybe around Owen Sound here. I find there's a lot more of them in the United States. You get close to a city in the south of the border, and there are all kinds of billboards leading up into the city. Everyone, every company wanting to show their product on catchy billboards. There's quite a few websites on the internet show the best, the most unique billboards. Catchy billboards work. People remember the slogan and the picture and they seek out the product that's uh, advertised there. And so many companies want to display their wares on billboards along streets and highways near cities then because it's good advertising. Did you know that the Lord God advertises too? He has billboards too, especially where people are, because he wants all kinds of people to notice his name and what he has to offer. And his billboards are his people, his church. Wherever he has gathered his church, his people are his billboard. That's what our text for this morning proclaims. And I preach to you the word of God in that text with this theme, the church of Christ is God's billboard. And we see two things. He sets people apart for his church in the first place, and secondly, to proclaim his praises to the world. So first of all, he sets, God sets people apart for his church. So the church is God's billboard. And you wonder how that's possible, really. Why would he want to advertise with the church? It doesn't seem like a wise thing for God to do. The best way. With all its imperfections and troubles, the church can be the opposite of an advertisement for God, can't it? It's no wonder that more people know about Coca-Cola than about God. You hear stories of people who have given up on church. Maybe they, well, they say they haven't given up on God, but, but church. It's all kinds of imperfections and, and wrongs in the church. Maybe they saw hypocrisy in the church. They didn't like the rules and the regulations. 
the cliques offended them. They questioned the binding to certain beliefs, wanted freedom. You can, you can read about criticisms and disappointments even on blogs by people who have left our churches. They have blogs to share why they left the church. Well, the church doesn't always have a very good reputation, does it? The sad thing is that, the, that negative stories about church are often quite tenacious. If you put a, a positive and a negative story about the church beside each other, it's the negative one that's going to persist in people's memories. It's as if you need 10 positive stories to balance off one negative one. And sadly, the negative stories about the church are there. And they all too often have some kind of positive, positive aspect to them too, or a, a truth to them. And that's because the church is composed of people, imperfect people. And where you have imperfect people and also imperfect office bearers, and so you're going to be able to find something wrong. You always will. I don't believe that it was any different in the time of the Apostle Peter. In the time when Peter wrote his first letter, letter here. Because he, he, in this letter, the first part, he urges people to live holy lives. And we can assume that he did so because there was some unholy living going on in those churches. He knew that. And in chapter 3, he instructs wives and husbands how they ought to live as Christians. And in chapter 5, he writes about office bearers, not lording it over the flock, but being examples. And he, he wrote those things for good reason. There were obviously things that needed attention in those churches he was writing to. Nevertheless, Peter also says wonderful things about the churches he was writing to there in Asia Minor, scattered about present-day Turkey. <clears throat> Look at the text, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. So he sees churches with imperfect people in a whole different light. Chosen generation, holy nation, God's own special people. How could Peter say such great things about those churches? Well, that's because he doesn't see the church of Christ as a kind of a social club. A group of similar-minded people who set up an association or so. No, he sees the church of Christ as God's work. This is what God brought together. His people, his chosen generation. He makes it. It belongs to him. 
That's why the church of Christ, wherever it is, is a chosen generation. God chose the people who belong to it. That's why it's a royal priesthood, too. It's a status given to those people by God himself. A priesthood to to offer him thanks. And a holy nation, they belong together not because they're so holy in themselves, but because God, who is holy, set them aside for himself, gathered them together for himself. They're his special people. He set his heart on. The church of Christ is holy and special to God, not because of the people in it as such, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. That blood makes it that way, that precious blood. And that special status then is a wonderful thing, and it's a calling. It's a calling to the imperfect people in the church to be holy as God is holy. But the thing is, Peter looks at the church from God's point of view as God's work. God's special people. That's how we need to look at the church. Also, this church here. These people. And not let the imperfections of people distract us from seeing it like that. God's special people. And notice, congregation, that those phrases that Peter uses to describe those churches in Asia Minor, they're pretty well the same ones that the Lord used to describe Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai after he brought them out of Egypt. When he confirmed the covenant to them, with them as they were on their way to the promised land, they had to stop there at, at Sinai. So Peter was not saying anything new when he described the church of Christ there in Asia Minor. And he applied what God said about his covenant people Israel to those Christian churches scattered about there in Asia Minor. Many Baptists today say that Israel and church are two completely different things. And that's why they believe that in the future, Israel will be restored. The nation of Israel itself will be restored and so on. But in our text, we see the apostle applying what God spoke to Israel in the Old Testament to the church of Christ in the New Testament. The church is the continuation of the people of God, in other words. Only now not bound to one geographical location, but scattered throughout the world. But still set apart by God as his chosen people. A royal priesthood. In other words, a people set apart by God to, for himself to serve and worship him. And the church of Christ is holy nation then, made up of people who have a distinct place in this world. And finally, God's own special people. Exodus 19, the Lord spoke about Israel as a special treasure, even. Treasure. Not because of anything in them, but because he set his heart on them in Christ. The church 
is set apart by God to receive his special love and affection for him to treasure. He loves the church because it has been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He sets his heart on it. Just as the people of Israel in the Old Testament were freed from Egypt by the sacrifice of those lambs without blemish, Peter says you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. Chapter 1, verse 19. In congregation, what does this all say about us as Church of Jesus Christ here today? I can think of two things that it says about us. In the first place, this tells us that the church has a unique identity in the world in which we live today too. Every country, every nation nowadays has its own culture and identity. Think of when, you know, a Canadian takes a trip to India or so, they stick out because of their dress and the way they talk and the, and the camera they have on their chest and so on. Maybe their backpack with the Canadian flag on, the, on it. Well, Christ's church is uh, his own, uh, its own nation own people and it's meant to stick out in this world too so that when you see God's people you say well that's one of them should have its own distinct and and recognizable identity and that's because as royal priesthood holy nation we're a nation apart A holy nation within the nation of Canada here, we could say. And that the church is a holy nation, a people of God, a royal priesthood, means something else too. I could apply this in a different way too. Canadians are not only Canadians when they're in Canada, for instance. They stay Canadians wherever they go. Wherever they travel. Same with the church. You're always people chosen by God, royal priests. Even when you walk out of this church building and you drive off the parking lot after the service, you're still God's special people, holy nation. Members of Christ's church are royal priesthood 24 7. Even if you're home alone, you could say that the Sunday worship service is meant to stimulate you to be church during the rest of the week too, to be God's own people. And like Canadians away from Canada always represent Canada in the countries they travel through, so we all represent God's chosen generation, His holy nation, His special people among others, when we're away from each other during the week. And our calling is to be what Christ has made us and what God calls us in our text. Our calling is to be advertisements for God's grace and holiness and goodness and righteousness wherever we are. The church is God's billboard to all peoples. And that brings us to the second part of the sermon this morning. 
The church is God's billboard to proclaim his praises to the world. Congregation, we actually, when it comes down to it, we haven't said that much about our theme yet, right? But what our text says in the first part is the background to all of that, to the church as God's billboard. The second part of the text says that the church is a people set apart by God so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word proclaim is important in the text. We use that word more often in church. I sometimes use it to describe what I'm doing here. I proclaim to you the word of God in the text with this theme. Proclaiming, preaching. The original Greek word Peter uses here means to publicize a message. Like on a billboard. A manufacturer wants people to know about the product that they manufacture. The company rents a billboard and by a picture and word catchy things, proclaims a message, a short message about its product to people passing by. Well, the idea of our text, that proclaiming in the text is that the church of Christ makes known the message of the Bible, the gospel of Christ, out there to the world. In fact, we could say that's one of the main purposes of the church in this world, to proclaim the praises of God to all people. And proclaiming the praises of God means proclaiming His excellencies, as it says, translated in the English Standard Version. His excellencies. Praiseworthy, excellent deeds is the idea here. The glorious deeds of God. The church, that's why the church exists in the middle of this world, to make known the praiseworthy deeds of God. Think about that, congregation. Might sound quite logical that the church is in this world for that reason, but it's not that logical, really. Think of a local hockey or soccer team. You know, you would join it because you like that sport. Everybody who plays does so because they love to play some soccer or hockey. And then the team is organized because the people want to get together to play the sport they love. It's there for the sake of the players. The church is not a team or an organization that exists only for the sake of its members. Sometimes we might think it is. This church is here for us. It's not. It's here for God. It's here for the world, to make him known in the world. Everything the church members do, whether you're here in worship, at home, on the job, just socializing with your neighbor, everything should contribute to the goal of the church, which is God's glory. God's glory. It's not about us as such. It's about God's glory. 
And that includes not only the things others see, but also how we treat each other as Christians and how we talk about each other and support each other. Everything we do among each other as well as before others and for others is the proclamation of God's glorious deeds. His praises. Proclamation of God's love. And not just by a few enthusiasts then. It's the calling of the whole church. Your, your task and calling too. To be God's billboard to the world. All of us together. All of us together at that message. Like all the little flags that spelled life out on the lawn here of the church. Some weeks ago. All together. A message. How is the church God's billboard exactly? How do we as church proclaim the great deeds of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light? Well, in any case, not by telling people what they want to hear and showing them what they like to see. What we need to proclaim and show is that we are completely dependent on God and his grace in Christ. Nothing is actually from us because our own deeds are deficient, insufficient. No, God in his grace has called us out of darkness into his light. Our own lives in themselves are in darkness like the Israelites' lives in Egypt. Of course, of ourselves we are slaves to sin and death in darkness, but God called us out of that darkness into his light. Like he called Israel out of the darkness of slavery in Egypt into his light. To be his people. We've been called to the light which is Jesus Christ by God himself. Chosen. We've been brought into that by Jesus Christ. That's why. He descended into the darkness of the punishment for sin and death for us. And through him, God has called us from darkness into his marvelous light, the light of his salvation. So the the point is it's all from God, all from him to us. Nothing from us. And see, that, that message is a difficult message for people to accept, even for us. It's a very humbling message. A message that will also awaken resistance in those who don't know God and, and who you're trying to tell about this. Show. It awakens resistance in my own heart. The gospel of Christ is wonderful news, but you have to set aside your own pride in order to be dependent on God. No matter how nicely you wrap up the message of the gospel... It's also going to be one that's going to rub people the wrong way. Because people have to find out that they're sinful and they need salvation. So how can the church be God's billboard to the world? Well, congregation, especially in how we behave, how we live, our lifestyle, 
Because look at what the Apostle Peter writes just after our text. In the verses 11 and 12, he says there, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak evil, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. You advertise God's great deeds in particular in how you live among others here in this place too and where, where you are in a culture that is losing its Judeo-Christian roots here in Canada and growing ever darker this is more important than ever. That's actually how the early church grew so quickly. People noticed how different Christians lived, behaved, walked. They saw how church members looked after each other, looked after others. That, that shone out. And that made an impression, we know, from ancient writings. Why do these people live differently? That made others curious about what made those Christians tick. So let's think of our calling as church and make people curious about the gospel by our walk of life in particular. Submitting to the authorities, Peter mentions later on, chapter 2. Being good workers even for difficult bosses. Chapter 2, by our lives as wives and husbands, as Peter writes, chapter 3. Writes, for instance, chapter 3, the first two verses. Wives, he says, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Congregation, when people see how we live as members of Christ's church, in some cases, it'll also come to words, though. It will come to words, too. We proclaim the praises of God also with words. Look, for instance, 1 Peter 3.15, where he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Well, it's not easy to talk to others about what you believe and hope in. You know, they might ask, well, what do you stand for? And you have to try to explain your faith. Not easy. I think we're often quite tentative when we talk to others about our faith. And I think that's because we make what they think of us too important. We focus on that. They're going to think this and this of us. But it's not about what they think of us. It's about what God thinks of us. And ultimately also what they think of God. It's not about us. We have to keep that in mind and that helps us to be brave in explaining what we believe. Bold. 
It's not about us. Congregation, we're called in the text as New Testament church, as people of God, who he brought from darkness into his marvelous light to be God's billboard to the world, to advertise to all around us and to our society who God is, what his grace consists of, what awesome things he has done in Christ. That's an amazing thing that God wants to use the church for that. Use us. Because the church seems such, like such a weak and imperfect means for that. But compare the church as billboard to the billboards which the big corporations put up along the highways to advertise their wares. How often isn't the product which is so loudly and dramatically and beautifully displayed on one of those billboards, how often isn't that a disappointment when you actually go out and buy it? It's not as great as advertised. The real thing often doesn't match what's on the billboard. God doesn't advertise by embellishing things, though. He doesn't embellish things. He doesn't need fancy sales techniques. The church as it is, is good enough for him. He wants it told and shown as it is, the gospel as it is, in all the struggles of life. And that's amazing, isn't it? God uses then, he uses imperfect and fickle people. But people who by the grace of his spirit want to grow in him. And so the church isn't a billboard for God which people look at and think it's too good to be true. No. The reality, if people pay attention is even more wonderful than advertised. Amen.